Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Josh, before we get started, we want to remind our loyal TV audience, we hear from you guys that say, this show is really growing on me. Yeah. I'm really liking it more and more, and we really appreciate that. We sure do. Your last chance to see said shows will be this Saturday, March 9th. Mm-hmm. we got our final marathon coming up. That's right. It starts at noon Eastern time. That's right. Um, and uh, it's on Science Channel. Mm-hmm. And it's a whole marathon featuring some classic episodes uh, called reruns. Yeah. Uh, plus two new episodes, both written by Mr. Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Beautiful episodes. And one of which is the pilot. But even more confusingly, the fact that we're airing the pilot as the season finale yeah. is that that's not even the pilot pilot. The pilot pilot will air after that, I believe. Yeah. So to avoid confusion. It's a little late for that. We've got uh, John Hodgman in, in the next to the last episode. Yes. Which is a great one. A lot of fun. It's about private space exploration. That's right. And then we have the originally, it was episode one. To set up this whole shebang, right. they're uh, airing this last, which is very unique in television. Mm-hmm. And then the lost pilot that we shot like over a year ago. That's really not even in the format of the, the actual show. Yeah, that is, we're airing that too, because what the heck? Let's just throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. That's right. So uh, noon o'clock, set your DVRs. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be the last of the, uh, the original ten, yeah. plus the bonus. Season one. And... Dudes and dudettes, check it out on Amazon Instant or Google Play or iTunes or watch it live or watch it on your DVR. And uh, we appreciate the support. Yeah, and the rest of the world, hang in there. We'll try to get it to you somehow, we're, some way. We're trying. Uh, in the meantime, those of you in the States, uh, if you really like our TV show and you want to see more stuff like behind-the-scenes the clips videos, read blogs from characters, go to StuffYouShouldKnow.com, our website, and just click on the TV show tab. Yeah, and if you're one of those people that says, hey, this show's really grown on me, why don't you go to the Science Channel Facebook page and make a little noise and yeah. say, keep these guys around. We enjoyed it. Sure. Couldn't hurt, right? I, I don't think so, unless <laughs> Science Channel sends guys to your house for commenting on their Facebook page. No, they, they welcome that. Yeah. All right. Uh, podcast time. Let's do it. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, which makes this stuff you should know, the lightning quick edition. Is this lightning quick? Yes, because of the lightning. Oh. Yeah, we have a, like tornadoes and stuff coming in, so it's like uh, we're holding out at the OK Corral as the storm rolls in. Right, well, we'd also like to get out of the OK Corral before the storms <laughs> get here. You yeah, know? that's the point. Uh, yeah, you were saying there was a tornado flipping cars on like 75 up north of Apparently, here? and I know my dog Buckley is at home just waiting to pee all over the place once the thunder starts. <laughs> so if I can be there and hold him, he's fine. The French Foreign Legion, Chuck. Yeah. Um, they are a uh, <laughs> fighting force, a military fighting force, that one uh, young man by the name of Jean-Claude Van Damme ran off and joined. Did he really? In the movies. Oh, crap. <laughs> I got you. You totally that. got me. I was like, I never knew. Can you imagine? No, he was. it was in the movies. He wasn't uh, really a, a legionnaire. It's a bummer. What movie was that? Uh, I think Legion. Was there a movie called Legion? Or Legionnaire. Huh, never heard of it. But yeah, he's a, he's a legionnaire. I'm you not a big tell, fan of his, actually. You can tell, well, you know, I don't know that there are that many, like, big fans, but I'll bet his big fans are, like, like big-time Jean-Claude Van Damme fans. Oh, yes. Um, like Steven Seagal's fans, probably. Yeah, probably so. Just hardcore, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but you could tell that Jean-Claude Van Damme was in this movie because he's wearing a hat with a little cape in the back. Yeah, the capey. 
Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's spelled K-E-P-I, pronounced K-P, and they still wear those. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tradition that is still true today, the little flat cap, very stiff and rigid. Yep. And uh, they don't always have the capes, you know, when they're out where they need them, they will. Well, the reason that they would have them is because for the better part of two centuries, the French Foreign Legion was stationed in Algeria. Yeah. Uh, and the reason they were stationed there is because that's where their headquarters were, almost from the moment of inception of this um, this military group. Yeah, and the reason they were stationed there from inception was because they were, were a bunch of ne'er-do-well criminals yeah. in many cases. Yeah. And so they were like, you know what, you guys are great and you're super tough. Let's move you to Algeria Yeah, to help our colonization efforts and get you out of France. Do you want to talk about the history first? Yeah. Uh, well, today, let's talk about today just for one sec. There, okay. are, over, uh, there are 7,286 legionnaires as of December of last year, of 2012. And uh, to the date, to the date, to uh, this date, uh-huh. 35,000 have died in battle over the years. I saw that. Which is not that bad, but it's a small group, you know. 7,000 isn't much. Right. And they are the fighting force in the world that have seen more continuous action than any other. Oh, really? Yeah, they fight constantly. They've been fighting constantly. Well, and they're bad dudes. Yeah. Like, they're, they even say in this article, and they're well known to be much tougher than the regular French army. Right. Because they're not French. <laughs> well, they're. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how much that has to do with it. But they're known for being tough dudes. Yeah, and they're also a, um, a special forces unit. Yeah. Basically. Um, no women. When we say dudes, we can say dudes. Yeah, there's never been a French foreign legionnaire who is a woman. No. Uh, and um, they are, they've been in just about every conflict um, that the French have been in. Yeah, I bet. Since 1830. Um, and did you know that the French Foreign Legion invaded Mexico in 1861 and stayed there till 1865 when they were finally beaten back? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, they tried to assassinate the president and install an Austrian prince named Maximilian as the ruler of Mexico and <laughs> set it up as a French puppet state. I wonder if that had any influence on uh, culinarily speaking. I don't know. I don't. French food. You don't see much French the, stuff pop no. up in Mexico like you do in like Vietnam during that colonial yeah. period, you know, or Indochine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you want to go to the history? Should we? Yeah. Start how how these guys start? Well, in uh, 1830, Josh, let me tell you a little story about a guy named King Louis Philippe. Okay. Uh, it's known as the July Revolution. He replaced King Charles X. And, <laughs> X. Yeah, X. And uh, after the the Bourbon uh, monarchy fell, and this was Parisian radicals were involved in this mm-hmm. overthrow. So even though he was made uh, king in large part because of these radicals and because of radicalism, these radicals were some tough guys, and a lot of them were, you know, it kind of brought in this um, criminal element in some cases. Yeah. And, you know, th- I don't want to say they were bad guys, but maybe they were bad guys. Well, the uh, the king, Louis Philippe, thought that they were a threat to the monarchy because, you know, he had gotten to the throne by these radicals and it had attracted radicals from all over Europe and a lot of them were very soldier-like. Yeah. And he was like... Or former soldiers, right. period. Um, and he said, welcome to France. Let me figure out what to do with you. I can't legally make you a part of the French army. Yeah. So how about I just make a foreign legion made yeah. up of foreign dissidents, uh, foreign nationals, and um, send them elsewhere. And they 
were pretty happy with that plan. It was uh, March of 1831. Yeah. He laid out uh, his eight articles, and pretty much that was what the Foreign Legion was from who they were to be, where were they were to, to train, what were they were, uh, to wear, mm-hmm. and a lot of the traditions were established in that very first set of articles. Um, and then included in that, Chuck, are, uh, was one that said that you had to um, to check for a birth certificate, a certificate of good life manners, and a certificate from a, a military authority saying that this person is a, a good soldier. And you had to have all that if you were going to accept a recruit. That... Or um, it was up to the, the commandant's discretion. Yeah, that, it reminded me of like how there'll be a uh, paragraph in a legal contract that says all these things. And at the very end, it, it'll say like, or we could just change our mind about all that. Right. <laughs> so basically, yeah, we need all these papers and documents. And that was in our, our Article 7 or Article 6. And then the seventh article said, or just let them in if you, you know, have a good feeling. Right. About them. Exactly. And that, Don't worry about the papers so much. And that led to this thing called um, the en- anonymat, anonymat, yes. which is anonymity in French. Um, and it says <clears throat> that you can join the French Foreign Legion under an assumed name because we're going to give you an assumed name one way or another. For yeah. the first year of your service in the French Foreign Legion, you need to basically t- take on an assumed name. You're leaving your old identity behind. And that's a really strange, unusual aspect of the French Foreign Legion um, that still exists today. Yeah. um, In fact, it was mandatory until just a few years ago, Mm -hmm. until 2010. You had to sign up under a a different name. And then at the end of that year, uh, you could go through a process called military regularization of the situation, which basically meant you could get your old papers back from your home country and go back to your old name. Right. And you can still do all that. It's just not mandatory any longer. No. Um, but a lot of guys, it's like the fresh start, you know? Yeah. That's what they're looking for, a lot of men who join the army. And, and that's one of the- In every country. That's one of the things that the French Foreign Legion touts when you, when you join it, is that we're a place you can have a, a second chance. Yeah, forget your past, even forget your name. Minor criminal records, I mean, back in the day, they would accept- major criminals, uh, now they're a little more selective and they'll overlook like a minor criminal record, but nothing like they won't accept murderers and things like that. Right. And for a very long time, um, they would accept nothing, no one but foreign nationals. You couldn't be French and join the French Foreign Legion. Yeah. You could join the army, but not the Foreign Legion. Right. Um, they recently changed that so you can be French um, and join it, right? Yeah. And you can gain your French citizenship as a foreign national by serving what, three years? Three years. In good standing. Yeah. Uh, and I think you have to go back to your original name and stuff. Um, yeah, you. if you're going to get citizenship, you can't do it under your yeah. declared name. Right. Um, and you were talking about that, um, The what was it called, where you go through that, that process at the oh, end of the, the year? Oh, the military regularization of the situation? Right. It's such a weird name for name change. It really is. Um, but it's not just a name change. It's basically like... That represents the end of your first year, and yeah. it represents the end of the French Foreign Legion owning you during this time. Um, f- during your first year, you cannot have a civilian bank account. You can't get married. Yeah. You can't wear civilian clothes, even off-duty. You can't buy a car. 
you can't um, travel abroad on leave to anywhere but France. You have to wear your uniform. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, some, some in some form or fashion, you have to wear a uniform. So yeah, it's um, it, they own you for the first year, and it's definitely harder than the French Army, like you said. Yeah, and whatever status, if you're married and you join the French Foreign Legion, you have to enlist as a single man. Right. So I don't know if. I guess you can remain married technically, but the papers say that you're a single man. I would imagine if you run off to the French Foreign Legion, you're your, your married. marriage might be on shaky ground <laughs> as it is, or you're not married. Yeah, that's a good point. There's you probably know, not of like already married men. Doesn't seem like a very family supportive place. Yeah, it's kind of like you know you are getting away from a situation or something <laughs> like that. Honey, I'm going to have to deny your existence. Yeah. and change my name. Right. Um, but it's really worth it because. I want to be a legionnaire and wear those and wear the KP. Right. And gain the respect of the French. You think? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, you know what's funny is they are I read an article there's a, a article in the December 2012 Vanity Fair called The Expendables. It's pretty interesting. It's about the French Foreign Legion what they're doing now. Yeah, I saw some of that. You remember in our um gold um episode yeah. we talked about go- illicit gold mining in Guyana? Yeah. Apparently, one of the things the Foreign Legion's doing now is they're fighting those gold miners now. Oh, shutting that down? That's one of the things they're doing because Afghanistan's winding down for the French, so they're kind of looking for new stuff to do, and that's one of the things. New guys to go beat up. Right. (laughs) Uh, Your first uh, contract, if you join up as a legionnaire, is a minimum of five years, and pay for a corporal starting out is 1,043, I guess, euros per month. Plus, of course, you know, all room and board. But that's your take-home pay. Right. Or not on about take-home, but that's your salary. And you get 45 days leave, and then, you know, there is a path to prosperity to some degree and success, just like any other army. You can work your way up uh, through the officer ranks. And uh, after that first five years, successive contracts are six months to five years. Uh, and I don't, I'm not sure how they determine that, whether it's up to you like if you're like, ah, I just want to go six months at a time here, guys. Gotcha. Or I'm not sure. I couldn't actually find any information on that. If they're like, no, you you must sign for three years. Right. Six months, whatever. Yeah. They're like, you'll probably be dead by then anyway, so. <laughs> and we'll keep all of your euros. Um, so in that article, one of the things I was that I came across was that the, the – um, the legionnaires view themselves and apparently are viewed by the French as, that's why the article is called The Expendables, as basically there to, to fight and kill and die. Yeah. And that there's a lot of honor in dying, even if it's unnecessarily. But they're just, they kind of are nihilistic, I get the impression. And I think he, they even use that word. They're nihilists. Oh, really? Well, like, it, it nihilists. said... Nihilists. <laughs> not say nihilists. Okay. Yeah, I did read part of the article, though, and they said that normal people don't join the French Foreign Legion. Right. They said they're all just a little little off. Yeah. Which, um, you know, good. I bet they're tough dudes. Yeah. And uh, the, Span- the Spanish tried the same thing. In 1920, they tried to form the oh, Spanish yeah. Foreign Legion, um, and it didn't take. So now it's just called the Spanish Legion. It's made up of Spaniards. Yeah, and some folks say America could try something like a Foreign Legion with uh, – the influx of non-Americans in this country right. to maybe serve under our regular armies. And uh, I don't know if that's ever been pitched. Patch of citizenship should be in the DREAM Act. Yeah, why not, dude? I don't know. 
I'm sure people would be like, this is why not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can email us later. Yeah, I didn't consider it. It just came to my head. Um, you got anything else? No, I want a KP. I'll get you one for your birthday. Do you remember <laughs> when those were like hip in the 80s with the break dancing? Uh, yeah. Those were awesome. It's so funny what different cultures latch onto from different eras. Yes. You know? Yeah, somebody said, that will look very cool when I'm doing a head spin. Yeah. And the, the KP was adopted. Awesome. Break in Ohio. It's like the painter's cap. And uh, when I was growing up, the painter's cap and the bicycle caps were very big in the 80s. Oh, yeah, the bike caps with the bill folded uh, up? Yeah, oh, dude, I had gosh. a couple of like Italian ones. I just thought it was so cool. What was the name of that one brand that everybody had with uh, the bike hat? You know what I'm talking about. Trek? No, mm-hmm. it was like a French name, I believe. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think I had one, though. It I thought was it was like, Italian. It's similar to the word like champagne. Shimano or something, but it wasn't Shimano. Yeah, that's Japanese. Are, uh, I know what you mean. It's going to come to me. I wonder if it is Japanese. I'll bet it's Italian or something, and I'm saying it's Japanese Shimano. Yeah. I love it when we do these things, though, where we can't think of something, because we always get emails where people are like, I was screaming in my home. Yeah, right. The name. We're, we're sorry for all of Campanelli? you. Campanelli? Campanelli? Yeah, that sounds close. It's not It's Campari? not so close that... Uh, <laughs> That we're not going to get emails, but those of you screaming right now, settle down. Ravioli, get a hold of yourselves. Podcast. Uh, If you want to learn more about the Foreign Legion, you can type that word or those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, and that will bring up this fine article. There you go. And I said uh, search bar, so it's time for listener mail. I guess before we get into that, Chuck, you want a message from our sponsor? And now it's time for listener mail. Yeah. Uh, This is from Donato, and it's about autopsies. Uh, Dudes. Just finished listening to how autopsies work. wanted to mention a couple of things. I'm currently in law enforcement and have attended a few of them. My first one was really fascinating. The ME tried to get me to vomit by handing me a brain to pass to his assistant. But it actually really turned out to be extremely exciting for me. So, screw you, ME. I'm not vomiting. Look at me. I'm juggling this brain. I'm excited. Um, I wanted to point out you did not mention the extraction of vitreous fluid from the eyeballs using a needle. Uh, That part was a little freaky to me. I have to admit, and uh, after a couple of times asked why it was done, which leads me to uh, toxicological (laughs) (laughs) Toxicological examination. Nice. Fluids and samples from some organs are sent for examination in these cases, Uh, and in my experience, MEs will not provide a final autopsy before toxicology results come back. And lastly, the difference between cause and manner of death, COD and MOD. Uh, they are used interchangeably often, but COD is the physiological mechanism responsible for death, where MOD is the explanation of how the COD came to be. For example, asphyxia is the COD, and murder is the MOD if a person is smothered with their pillow. Gotcha. So uh, COD can be considered purely medical, while the MOD is a combination of medical and investigative. And evil. And evil. So uh, I hope it did not double-tap something you guys covered. Ooh, that's an old-timey reference. Nice call-out to uh, Green Berets. Uh, Delta Force. Delta Force. Thank you, Donato. Thanks, Donato. Appreciate that. He's written in before. Awesome. Thanks for writing in again. Has he made listener mail before? Uh, no, I'll tell you what he went, wrote in before after. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just winked at Chuck. Um, if you want to write in, you can write in as many times as possible. See if you can get on listener mail twice. I don't think anyone ever has, right? Well, Sarah, the amazing 11, 12, now 13, 14, probably 15-year-old. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for correcting me. And Sarah, come on. We haven't had a letter in a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. We don't know how drama class is going and all that Jeez, stuff. Jeez, get on it. 
All right. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And you can join us at the Universal Church of Chuck and Josh, StuffYouShouldKnow.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 